From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict, episode 279. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined on location by Mr. Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad Dowdy. Good to see you again, Mr. Hurley. For, for the third, third time. time. Yeah, third time this year. Um, we have made it together, and this last one uh, was made possible by our good friends at Field Notes, Mr. Jim Kudal and Mr. Brian Bedell. So thank you guys for having us. You're welcome. And thank you so much for being on the show today. We are really excited. I think this has been, uh, this isn't happening, but if the pen addict was to end, this would be <laughs> a good episode to end it on. Wow. I'm just saying, like it just popped into my head. It's like, this feels like we could have, we could have ended a journey and done it here together today. And then so, maybe I could do like a poetic elegy to, yeah. the, to the show that was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but when that's not happening. Oh, but let's do it. Let's burn it down. Happen, yeah. <laughs> Brian, uh, Brian could write the practical application, applications for Brad's oh, firing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like for what Brad can go on to do next. Many practical yeah. things that you can go on to do. Yep. But we're not doing that, but we, are, we do have a very special episode today because we are joined. Um, I think this is the second time that we've had Jim and Brian on the show, right? We had you on quite a while ago. We yeah. had Brian on solo once. Yep. Yep. And I think I was on... You've been on once, once as well, as I think. Well. Yep. And then Very we had you early. both on yeah. together. Yep. Yep. But just through kind of luck and chance, um, this, is, this episode, us being here with you, has coincided with Field Notes' 10th anniversary, which is, when is the exact date? Well, that's a matter of some debate. Um, <laughs> but you, might have, you might have noticed that before we did, actually. Yeah, we, <laughs> I think that we are pretty darn certain that the... 10th October 20th or so right about now 23rd is when was the first time anyone could buy a three pack of field notes from from fieldnotesbrand.com and so we figure that's as good a marker as any there were some field notes that existed before it and some other things but so somewhere in late October and at that point it was just craft and just graph Yeah. yeah 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 that was the first run of what is now recognized as the field note, the, the iconic field notes mm-hmm. is, uh, was about, I think, 500 three-packs, so 1,500 books. was printed in Portland. They were all graph paper. And then uh, we've done a few editions since then. <laughs> so when, uh, when this happened, so 10 years ago, what was the idea? What was the plan? Like, why was this happening? Well, there wasn't a plan. And then... Oh, I was going to say, we didn't want to do advertising anymore. That's yeah. pretty much why it happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were working for clients and uh, had run a couple of other businesses, which we don't have to get into here, that were uh, moderately to very successful. And um, long story short, Aaron, our partner in this, Aaron Draplin from Portland, sent made up some field notesy sort of things and sent them out, and we thought they were cool. And we said, Aaron, let's make a company. And he said, okay. And huh. we started selling them. And uh, we sold, I think, 13. We made 13 sales on the very first day that they were available on the website. And, From uh, nothing, that's pretty good, though. Yeah. <laughs> Although, we were joking before the show that somebody had mentioned something about our blog at kudal.com. And, of course, there, this is pre-Twitter and pre-Facebook and pre-Instagram. And so blogs had a little more swing at the time. And Aaron was pretty well followed as well. So when we said, here's this new thing we're doing, it kind of went around. And so, um, but I think that is about four or five years ago when we realized that this thing was becoming bigger than, uh, we didn't really plan for anything. But right. Yeah, we never, I mean, I think all of the little businesses we started along the way there, we 
hoped they would, you know, take over and be great, but we never really planned on it or expected them to. So, yeah. mm. so this is sort of the one that stuck and we, and we grew with it and, uh, it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. yeah so, so Brian told me before the show that he's actually worked with Jim for 20 years. Very close. Yeah. yeah very close Getting to there. 20 years. Wow. So that's, you know, their, their work together goes back a long ways before, before field mm-hmm. notes. So it's interesting to me to see all the different businesses y'all have tried and they were all successful in their own right. In one way or another. In one yeah, way or right, another. Yeah. yeah. And what was different about this one you think that made this one stick? Right. I mean, you, you, you just said it took you almost four or five years to even realize that this was really going to be a thing that's going to go forward. Well, first and foremost, they were selling. So there was yep. that and there was growth and people were stores were taking them. And there's a, we can tell stories about the moments in the history of Field Notes that sort of made a big difference. Um, for example, uh, I don't remember what year it was, but J. Crew, uh, for the first time in their history, instituted a program called uh, In Good Company. And it was the first time ever in their catalog or their stores that they sold non-J. Crew goods. Mm-hmm. And they partnered with some American brands, including Levi's and Timex and Wolverine Shoes and out of nowhere, Field Notes. And so, and then they opened the liquor store in Brooklyn or Soho, I guess it is. And they stocked us in there and they put us in their catalogs. And we didn't sell a huge amount through J. Crew, but it really gave us credibility yeah. that J. Crew all of a sudden had decided to choose us among all the brands in America mm. for a six or eight brands they were going to partner with. Um, so that made a big difference. It, that impacted how other retailers felt about us. They said, well, if J. Crew is carrying this, and J. Yeah. Crew maybe today the brand doesn't have the cachet it had eight years ago, maybe it does, but uh, that was a moment. So that they were like, oh, whoa, maybe there's something here. Like So that, yeah. I think actually from a personal satisfaction standpoint too, I mean, we do these additions and we get to have a whole new project four times a year. And yeah. Absolutely, yeah. We had it's, we had, um, you know, from going doing client work that's sort of, you know, it was all good work and we liked doing it, but to work on something for ourselves for our own satisfaction really made a big difference. And our original blog audience was mostly designers and web nerds and stuff, so it really the product spoke to them, and that was just a great audience to pitch it to right away. And of course, it spread from that and. You know, just the appeal of a notebook pretty much appeals to anyone. We've got people all walks of life, all ages, and everything using them. So, you know, but we had that nice starting point to kind of get our foot in the door. So you mentioned the J. Crew thing, and I assume in the history of Field Notes, that's probably one of the most surprising things that has happened. Yeah, I'd say. What other things over the history have happened with the company that you maybe wouldn't have expected? <laughs> well, the biggest one is that people collect them. <laughs> yeah. We, ne- we, ne- we had never had a plan that we're going to like, oh, good, we're going to sell these to a majority of the population, but let's isolate about 10,000 people who are crazy for them <laughs> and need every edition. <laughs> so I guess we could have predicted it when we started doing the limited editions, yeah. but we didn't. No. But I think Michelle here got an email from Italy once. This was pretty early, and it said... Oh, I need a copy of that fire spotter because I'm a completist. Mm-hmm. And she showed the email to us and we're all like, well, what does that mean? Hmm. Little did we know it wasn't just one guy in Italy who was trying to get all of the additions. So um, that's, that, I think, was a surprise yeah. to us. I remember writing the original website copy for subscriptions and saying you get 
one three pack to use and one to put in a, in a PVC sleeve and keep for posterity. And I totally was joking when I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a lot of people took it seriously. It was subliminal messaging. Yeah. 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 Like I wouldn't even thought that at the time. And oh, I no. guess in I retrospect, mean, we don't, I mean, the proof is we don't have anything from the early years. <laughs> right. yeah. If, yeah. We, if we had been calculating, we would have yeah. put some aside, but we didn't. So, um, yeah, that, that was a pretty big surprise. I think, um, I think the, uh, attachment that people outside of the collectors find to the analog process of keeping a notebook with them surprised us and how important it is to some people. Mm -hmm. um, and it was satisfying as well because that's, we're trying to make a practical notebook. We're trying to, you know, the collecting aside, we're trying to make a notebook that's inexpensive, well-made, well-designed and practical. And you can yeah. write milk, butter, vodka, eggs, or you can right. write an ode to a, to the Spanish steps in Rome, you could either, it doesn't matter. You don't, you're not, you don't need to be Van Gogh to use a field notes, you know, yeah. or Rimbaud or somebody. But. And I think that's important because over 10 years that hasn't changed no matter, no matter what, at least from the outside perspective. And I'm sure I, I'm assuming you guys feel that way from the very first edition to the most current edition edition. They're the most just usable notebook. This is a notebook you buy to be used. And that's never changed from edition yeah. one to the the most current release, I think. Well, since, I mean, since notebooks were invented, I was just earlier looking, we've got a, a Selectric over there and an Atari XT. And, uh, you know, I was thinking that's sort of like a little history of taking notes. But I mean, I was, I was also thinking you could have that, you know, the field notes, you know, you'd be using a notebook along with your computer, along with your typewriter, along with your, you know, whatever, whatever system of, of, uh, reproduction you're using or whatever kind of technology you have a notebook goes along with it so so yeah we didn't you know we didn't invent it and they're not going anywhere so yeah. we have that working for us we there's the, to, to your question brad a phrase that gets thrown around here a lot about any idea or execution is is it field notesy enough and what we we don't really know what that means, but we sort of know it when we see it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, like, is it? Does it fall within this idea of a authentic heritage brand? Does it have a voice that makes it feel like it's part of the Field Notes family? Can is that too clever of a headline, or is that too overproduced of a documentary? So, um, I guess that sort of speaks to trying to maintain the voice of the brand in the marketing as well as in the product design. Yeah. And that goes back to the original project. I mean, or the pro original product, Aaron had such a clear vision of what they should be. You know, as you know, he collects the old farm books and everything mm -hmm. and sort of distilled that to its most essential basic standard, but then also cluttered the hell out of it and put a bunch of silly copy on there. So, you know, going back to that original product is our template for everything we've done since. And you, you know, we, we base, we base all the text we write and all the, you know, the design and everything we do is, is based around that original product. And it makes it fun, actually, because it, it restricts some of the things we can do. It makes you mm -hmm. think about other things. Yeah, constraints are what good, where, how good creative gets made. So we asked um, for questions from our listeners, and we had some, so many great ones, and we picked out a few. And one comes from Anna, and Anna asks, if you were starting Field Notes today with the market of retail and stationery being exactly how it is right now, do you think it would be harder or easier for the company to have succeeded? I'd say harder for sure. There's more competition. There's, I mean, we, I think, like I said, with our original blog audience, we kind of had our, our foot in the door with yeah. a certain crowd of people. Mm. And, you know, we might still have that now, but maybe not. I don't know. There's, 
it's hard to another say. way to look at that is that when we started it we didn't need it to succeed yeah we were working for clients we were running the deck and online adver- advertising network we were doing a, another company called the show where we were recording concerts and selling mixes of uh, live performances to people so we didn't need it to succeed and to be quite frank for the mm-hmm. first couple of years we worked on it but we worked on a lot of other stuff too and i think if the question is if would it be hard to get to where you harder to get to where you are now it would be scarier because yeah. it would be do or die whereas mm-hmm. we kind of could sort of gradually get into the business in a yeah. way I, I i don't know if it would be harder we, or easier we were kind of doing it for fun all along in a lot of ways and yeah, maybe that's if we hadn't it. done it that way it probably wouldn't have succeeded if we didn't put ourselves into it and do what we wanted to do like we had if no, we didn't yeah. have that luxury to you know to experiment and have fun with it i don't think it would have done as well yeah i don't think we ever had intentions of being notebook kings sure. yeah. like we didn't know what you know yeah. i didn't yeah. know i was gonna be a notebook guy and the notebook is the middle of the company and it's the essential part of the company but it is also the vehicle that allows us to make films that we like and to write copy that we like and to use printing techniques that we like yep. and to edit code that we like and to do like so it's sort of that is the means by which we can use the talents that we've developed working for other people on behalf of ourselves and i think that's where the fun is yeah absolutely and, and learning new things i mean we we could talk about that for for the rest of the hour. <laughs> yeah, really. yeah, yeah sure. I mean, so I think one of the things that love. is undeniable about Field Notes today is that there is a large community of people that focuses on the company quite heavily. You know, people mm-hmm. want to know what you're up to. People are very keen to find out the new additions, whether just because they're excited or because they're going to be going into a safe somewhere. You know, like for, <laughs> for whatever reason it is. Do you do anything? to try and manage the community's expectations. Is this something that comes into your mind at any point when you're maybe thinking about some of the products that you want to make, maybe the way that you want to market and hype the product, like interacting with people that love the products? Like what, yeah. what goes into yes. this from your perspective? It's, it, 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 would, it would be disingenuous to say that we don't. Um, when we read the online communities and mm-hmm. we get tons of emails and we meet people here. And so, um, yes, the people who are most devoted to our products, their opinions are important to us. And yet, at the same time, on a percentage of the number of products we sell to the world, that's a relatively small yep. sliver of yep. the audience. But there are evangelists and there are best customers. So we do, I don't think we do much to manage expectations. If anything else, I think we sometimes over promise. And then, and that's, uh, I will say I'm guilty for that. It's not really, I don't know. What do you think? I don't I don't think we, we might over promise is too strong. Maybe. Yeah. We don't ever promise. We, we might overpromise, but we don't underdeliver. No. I think they're usually pretty good. <laughs> nice one. That's fair. Overpromise, overdeliver. We do. There's a lot. It's hard to not navel gaze and and do what we want to do for ourselves, and usually that works out for us. You know, we we can keep it mixed up and do different things, but we do have to remember, especially with subscribers, they need to. You know, it needs to work for anyone. It needs to have universal appeal, really. So. We get a lot of requests for very specific things, and we try to keep real general and, and, and mix things up just so there's a big variety, and subscribers are at least getting you know three of the four they get in the year, something they get really excited about, and the other one they can gift. You know, We're never going to get everyone happy with every edition, no. and that bothered us for a while, and then we got over that pretty fast because yeah. we realized no well, matter what think, we do, people I are going to be making a few got, This is kind of weird, but the thing that got us over worrying too much about 
the public reaction, the vocal public reaction to a mm. particular product was actually America the Beautiful, which is one of our favorite editions. And we could talk about that for a long time because there's yeah. a lot of really interesting production details on that one. But when we made it, Aaron and Brian and I, and I think everybody here, were so excited mm. that we had really hit the vibe of uh, vintage farm co-op notebooks and the printing process. And when they were launched, they were launched to silence. People didn't know what to do about it because they had never seen an image on the cover of a yep. field notes. They didn't yep. know what yep. to do with it. And we were a little bit, we felt a little bad about that, but then they got mailed out and over time, and actually a pretty long period of time, they've become one of the most beloved editions that we've ever done. It was very yeah. ambitious, like in every respect, right? That was when the paper got thicker too, right? With yeah. America the Beautiful. Yeah. Like there were a lot of things going on with that edition. Yes, there was. But it was, yeah. it was so dramatically different. But it wasn't such a step away from, for example, National Crop in terms yeah. of its focus yep. and yeah. its vibe. So I think in a way we decided at that point, or it, it didn't decide anything, but we started to feel like, you know, if, Aaron and Brian and Jim and Matt and Steve feel we and Michelle and everyone Eric everybody feels something weird about that then we're doing the right thing and then yep. let's let the product work for itself so to go back to the original question we want to make products that people love but we also want to challenge them a little bit yep. in the way that yep. we challenge ourselves to do something different and um, and yet still be Field notesy. So you know? on that then, Dime Novel, the most recent edition, is another really drastic departure. Yeah. yeah I think in maybe in a similar way like America the Beautiful because it's so totally different form factor yep. and it looks different and the pages are numbered. How has the reaction to this one been compared to something like America the Beautiful? I, I think we could talk about this in two different ways. First of all, the original reaction was pretty positive about it because it looks pretty sexy in mm -hmm. photos yeah. and we did an okay job of describing it. But when people started to get them, then the reaction really was good because it's a very tactile edition. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of small details that you really can't communicate in photography. But I think Dime Novel is a really good example to talk about what we're trying to do at Field Notes. And there's sort of two parts of it. That's where the idea comes from and how it can translate it into a product, especially as it regard, in regards to production techniques when we're trying to, maybe we'll start there, in production techniques we're trying to replicate a process from the past. Right. I mean, a very quick story is how, where it all came about is I fell down a rabbit hole uh, about these dime novels. I don't know how I ever found it and I started reading about it and I found a mother load of information and the story of these two brothers in New York City and the birth, basically, of the mass market American paperback and genre novel was completely new to me. And I consider myself a nerd about American publishing and design history. And immediately, I'm like, Brian, have you ever heard of these things? And Brian's like, no, I never heard this story at all. And I, we called Aaron. I go, Aaron, you knew, surely you know about the dime novels from New York, the orange <laughs> covers. And he's like, no, I never heard about that. And we're like, at that moment, we're like, well, we have to tell the story. Mm. Because if us three don't know what it is, not that we're serious, <laughs> but yeah. if we don't but know what it is, a lot of people know, don't know what it is. And so we did more and more research, um, and we actually bought one um, from 1860. And then that presented this whole other thing, is how do we translate something from 1860 
2017 in terms of production and also to a brand whose inspiration is the 1920s. So, like, the dime novels were 60 years before the farm books that are the basis of... Um, the inspiration for all of Field Notes. So maybe Brian, yeah. you could talk and 80 about years that. before future. Uh, so about, like, you're talking about our honest like appropriation, yeah, I mean, I think or we are really interested in how production and how the technology affected the design of a certain time. And I've always been super interested in that. Um, I bore people with this on tours all the time. But if you look at someone designing, say, a '60s poster, they'll look at the superficial aspects of what was done then, the sort of psychedelic type and the colors and maybe do that and copy it, but people don't realize that you know, those were decisions were made because they were needed to be screen printed in relatively small quantities, but you know, distributed. A lot of the type was actually typewriter type stuck on there and, and then the display type would have been hand drawn mostly. But no one ever designing a 60s-looking poster is going to hand-draw a psychedelic type. They're going to use hobo or some stupid, totally inappropriate typeface to kind of copy that style. And, and I guess, like, going to other, you know, in industrial design, too, I'm into Vespa scooters, and in the last 15 years, there's been 100 retro-looking scooters that came out, and they just have these stupid chrome plastic, you know, scoops and grills and stuff on them that don't do anything. And if you look back at original scooters from the, from the 50s and 60s, you know, those had a purpose, and it was very carefully designed to be this perfect form of or mix of form and function, and, and these modern ones are just an engine with this plastic body stuck over it with stuff stuck to it to make it look like it's from the 60s. So that's been a big driving force for the design, is looking at the production of the time, not doing anything we couldn't do. You know, we might not be able to do it exactly the same way, but we don't want to have, you know, overlapping type or, you know, huh. just crazy things that, you, you know, you can do on a computer so easily now that were impossible back then. So that's... Yeah, I think that keeps us we, honest. And I think even looking at the dime novel, like we were so yeah. surprised to see how how small the type was, how crowded mm. it was, how much they were able to do with the technology of the time. It blew our mind, really. Yeah, still does. Yeah, yeah. But I, to go to his point, I think this is that we make an honest effort to reproduce the technological limitations that resulted in the original thing. Right. Like, and this is a really interesting example in dime novel is that the original dime novels, and they did millions of them, were all set by hand with metal type and they were printed on letterpress. And if you look at them, the ink would hit the page with the metal type and make a bit of an impression. Now, ideally, we would have printed our dime novel edition on a letterpress, but we didn't have a year and a half to do it. Like, you know, <laughs> because we make so many of them yeah. and that we had just had the idea six weeks before we needed to, or eight weeks before right. we had to put the whole thing together. So what's the honest way to do that is either you don't put an impression and you just print on it, or what we did, which is ridiculously complicated, is that we printed the pages at one printer, then we took the pages to another printer and hit them with a die to make an impression the same as the type so that the final thing would look like it had been printed with a letterpress. And so it's not, we're not cheating. We're actually going out of our way to take an extra step yeah. to try to reproduce the, the effect. Actually, like you were saying, it's sort of a mistake. Well, right, right. Yeah, yeah, Originally, like, you see any letterpress printing now really milks that impression just to make it clear that it's letterpress. But back then, that was sort of, you would do everything you would do to avoid that. Right. Uh, especially with the dime novels, they're printed on pretty cheap paper, so it wasn't very soft paper, and there's not much of an impression there. But... But as long as we were 
as long as we can go through all that trouble, we've had to make it count. So, And that is the, the final dime novel thing, or maybe not, we could talk about dime novel for the rest of the hour too, is that the reason that they existed was in fact a technological change. Right. Up until about 1830 or 40, there was a couple of ways to make a lot of something in printing. One was a newspaper. They would make a lot of newspapers in the day, and that was a big, huge press that was specifically for making newspapers. The other was hardcover books. Those took a long time to print. You put them together. So this guy, Adams, invented this thing called the power press, which was still pretty big, as big as a car, but at least you could print a bunch of copies quickly. And there is no dime novels from the Beatles brothers in 1860 if there is no Adams power press, because there was no way to do it. So it's sort of interesting... This technological moment made this beautiful piece of consumer design. And so for us that, you know, all of this ephemera around it, this is what we love the most, is that yeah. we learned all this stuff that we didn't know before we started this project. And hopefully that comes through in, the, in our marketing materials and in the documentary film we make and everything else. So. Well, to go, think, uh, sorry, to go back to the reaction to it, you know, we had blank pages, which we haven't done that many, uh, many times with the with the limited editions, but I think Back to America, Be- The Beautiful, that was the first ruled we did that we had done dot graph before that, but most of them were either dot or dot graph, or graph or dot graph. And people were super angry, like, why is this ruled? It's, it, it's a subscription. I was demand, I demand my graph paper. Oh. Yeah, and it was, <laughs> we were like, we never said that. You just, that was your idea of what you're going to get. And sorry, if it's not, if you don't like it, we've always got a joke. Like, if you don't want it, send it back and we'll send you some craft, graph paper ones yeah. and no one ever follows us up on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, and that was the same thing with this one. It was blank pages, and people were like, well, what am I going to do with blank pages? It's like, well, you could do just about anything with them, and if not, there are just as many people that are angry that they, if they would have had graph pages. We can't please everybody mm-hmm. with every edition. So. That leads right into my question about <laughs> the dime novel, mm-hmm. is when you hear your story and what goes into it, and then you see the video, it's almost... It's like, how can you even say anything about, okay, the format's not three and a half by five and a half. Like that, those type of, I don't want to call them complaints, but it's, it's a different book, but it's there for a reason. The time and effort you put into it, that kind of eliminates the, uh, oh, well, this isn't my usual field notes that I get. That won't stop people. Well, but we're sort of, we're sort of resolved with that, you know, because arts and sciences was larger for a reason and the byline was larger for a reason and this is larger for a reason. Um, But we do know that people like the standard format sure, sure. very much and so we tend to do that yeah once a year or whatever and there are other issues as well but once again in the greater scheme of things is it field notesy does it relate to american yeah. design history has it been carefully made you know like that yeah. those are the ones that are that, practically a perfect edition for yeah. what field notes is in my book and is it keeping us interested yeah and people are buying it like crazy so some people must like it yep so, yep yeah all right, let's take a quick break. I want to thank our sponsor for this week, which is Squarespace. You can go to uh, squarespace.com. You can sign up for a trial. And if you use the offer code INC at checkout, you will get 10% of your first purchase. You can make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create the website that you have for your next idea or project. Maybe you want to create a website to show off your gallery of field notes. We did that. Do you remember when we did we, that? We absolutely did that. Is See, it still on the web? It is not because I think I stopped updating it. I was somewhere in the 20-something editions. 
uh, there was a page that kind of had them all in order up until then. I need to put it back up. You should put it back up. And complete go, it. Go to the Wayback Machine yep. and check it out. It's because yep, it's, it's very easy to do with Squarespace. They have all of the tools that you need. There's, so they're only one platform. If you want to sell stuff, if you want to have a blog, if you want to have a gallery, a portfolio, if you want to set up a site for your business, Squarespace have got it all. You can get a unique domain name. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support. They have award-winning templates. They win lots of awards at Squarespace because their stuff is that good. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about no upgrades needed they have everything built right there you can just go and take advantage of what you need their plans start at just $12 a month and you can sign up for a trial with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com then when you decide to sign up use the offer code INC at checkout you'll get 10% of your first purchase and show your support for this show we thank Squarespace for their support Squarespace make your next move make your next website and I guess we should also mention at this point um, to thank our Kickstarter backers as well yeah, so this is the reason why we're here is for our Kickstarter backers. They allowed us to do this. Um, we do. We've been doing one project a year where we take the show on the road, if you will, and it started with Atlanta, and then um, three years ago, and then it's kind of grown from there to where we've been able to travel to different places. So I wanted to thank all the Kickstarter backers who allowed us to do this. Yep, it's wonderful. Thank you so much. Ten years. 36 limited editions. I've got to ask this question. Favorites. Brian? Oh, 37 is at the printer. Don't forget. Ah. <laughs> um, <laughs> always be sale- selling. Yeah. I usually go to Two Rivers. I think that was my favorite because just the most fun to work with those guys. Uh, that was one of the rare ones where we really had a good idea what we were doing very early on and it took tons and tons of time to do so. We had to plan very far ahead on that one. But getting to go up there several times and work with Aaron and Matthew to typeset the actual forms and working with, with Jim and Stephanie to sort the paper, it was just such a long, complicated process, and they came out exactly as I'd hoped. They couldn't have looked more like what I had in mind when we started, and I was really happy with them. So that's probably my overall favorite. Uh, that's not my favorite, but my favorite part of Two Rivers is that we also raised a bunch of money oh, for yeah, the sure, Hamilton yeah. Woodtype and Printing Museum in Two Rivers, Wisconsin, which you should all go to see. Um, I changed like the wind. If you ask me now and then ask me tonight, I will definitely have a different answer. But mm-hmm. for right now, I'm going to say Ravenswing. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's because it was pretty early, in, and that's different than what I told Brian two hours ago that I was going to say when <laughs> you asked us our favorite. I was going to say byline, but I just changed my mind. Yeah. And that's because we used an interesting duplex paper that we hadn't used. They were all really letter-pressed by hand mm-hmm. by one guy. And um, I don't know. I think that signaled a move towards a more ambitious design aesthetic yeah, really for the it. brand. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. up until that point, I love Machina Autumn and Just Below Zero and all those, but they were generally speaking were uh, French colored paper with ink on them and um, they were thematically interesting and packaged in interesting ways. But I think that Raven's Wing sort of signaled a leap forward in what a Field Notes Memo book could be, at mm. least for me. So. Raven's Wing was what? Black on the outside. Black gray. Gray. Yeah. Black no, no, I remember, yeah. I remember it vividly. It's what it's the first edition I'd ever seen. About six, seven, eight, about nine, eight or nine. Yeah, mm-hmm. about the eighth edition. And I think. talking about the power of blogs, it was a daring fireball link. I think, if, if I remember Could rightly, be. Could yeah. be. It was to to Ravenswing, and I didn't buy them then. 
but later on i hunted immensely to and get a pack and i do i do have a pack and it is it's the orange band and the the beautiful black like it's i was gonna ask like a, it's if blind there was embossed a, too there's right there's no well, yeah 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 there was some some varnish a little varnish but no ink on the actual can i tell you that why that's my, one of my least favorites yes yes, yes. dan baron who printed it used actual pieces of now generally if you're printing something with letterpress you would get an entire plate made of the entire side of it and print it he actually printed it with separate pieces he had little elements made of each line of type and and locked them down on a plate and the made in the usa line on the back slipped while he was printing it and he didn't notice it so steve and i had to go out to the printer and sort through all eight thousand of them or whatever and with a ruler and measure how far it slipped to make a judgment call about whether they were good or not Wow. So I'll so ask you a question. That on was that. five hours of my life to the printer, wow. so it didn't really bother me that much. <laughs> so, but, 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 but that's why we love you, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean. this, is, this is a question I know the answer to, but why did you do that? Why didn't you just ship them? Well, they, they were pretty obviously messed up. It was that. really bad? I mean, there, well, it was, they moved. That was the problem is there weren't some that were bad and some that were good. They moved ever it, it was a tiny bit moving. at a time. Right. Okay. So, so, and then by the time they were cut and sorted and we noticed it, they were all mixed up, so... So there was sort of a judgment call we had to make where yeah. these were good ones and these were bad ones. And I made a little, I remember I made a little template and, you know, we'd hold it up <laughs> over each one. That one's good. That one's bad. And it took hours. Wow. And there are little tiny things that have happened that we know about that we've never even got an email about that yeah. we felt like we could have done that better on this edition. You and always they, know. And they, and yeah. they yeah. bother us to... It's like Forever. a musician listens to their song and hears every little tiny mess up and, and no one else will ever hear that. I tell them my daughter is become, getting really into illustration and drawing and I look at her drawings. I'm like, just my mind is blown at how good they are. She's like, oh, that song in the hand looks terrible. Like, no, like, look at this thing. Like, if you could look at this without, without, real, without, being, without being the person that made it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, would, you, would, you wouldn't believe how great it is. The, so. the film we made for Raven's Wing is probably our best piece of printing porn. Because you get to see this old machine yeah. going, and Dan was so into it and so sincere and talking about how he got into printing. And the saddest part of the whole thing is he's not printing anymore, mm. but which is fine with him. Yeah. But well, fine with him, not with us. Yeah, not with us. With so, <laughs> yeah. but if we if you would come back at the end of the show and ask her what her favorites are, I wouldn't be surprised to hear two other stories. So, would Sweet Tooth ever be one of your favorites? Um. What? You just can't leave it alone. I can't leave it alone. Can't I gotta alone. know. I gotta know. <laughs> so I, I'm on the. I'm. I'm in the minority though. Everyone loves the sweet tooth except sweet for me. Sweet tooth started life as something really different, yeah. as a lot of them do, and I'm not going to get into what it was. But <laughs> I was. I was really happy with it. I thought it came out great. The perforations were pretty neat. We were real worried about. That's one of those things. You know, you're going into production with you know, tens of thousands of books and. You don't know if they're going to come off the press and all the pages are going to fall out or people <laughs> won't be able to hear them. So we did some testing on that as quickly as we could in the time we had. And I think, again, that one came out very close to you know what we were hoping for. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it certainly has its fans. It's maybe, you know, again, yeah. not for everybody, but it's a good one. I have it somewhere around the middle. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, you know. But don't ask us which one we like the least because we're not going to tell you. I'll go on yeah. the record as saying that it's orange, not red. Oh, here we go. Sweet tooth. It's not orange, it's red. <laughs> wow. This is this is one of those, you know, what color is the dress thing. It right? yeah. It's yeah. exactly that. We yeah. can go, I can go get one and we We're can not, ask everybody what they think and yeah. we'll see. We, yeah. we'll, we will do that. Right. We'll do that right. after, after the show. We might as well do it. What's your favorite edition, Brad? Uh, it's always been grass stained green. I just huh? love the green. Okay. I love the, the letterpress cover. I love how... Blind and bust with a little I varnish. Love, yeah. I love how... 
how overrated bad it, was. it, yeah, it yeah. Camp comes yeah. through. Well, that was Dan Barron too, and that was one of his first big jobs. And right? yeah, he was learning just as we were. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's totally comes through the front of yep. the cover, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it looks awesome in the the green graph. That one's always been my favorite. Back to your America, the beautiful. I was on the. I don't know what to do with this when I received it, and over the years, it's probably like you know, probably like a top five edition. And the other one, my second favorite one is American Tradesman because that cover feels so awesome. Yeah. I, and that one never gets any love, but that's, that's probably yeah, that was a good one, one of my oh, favorite yeah, because ones. Because it has the, it's like what a, did you call the, it's like a wavy kind yeah, of corrugated. It's like yeah, a corrugated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do they call that? Yeah. I can't remember. So and it's a duplex paper too. Right. Yeah. So those are the grass stained green and uh, American Tradesman are my two favorites. I will say that with, um, well, we could just do this all day. But I will say one thing that I really loved was when we could make enough books that we could afford to buy two rolls of enough paper that we could make our own duplex paper. And that would be Shenandoah, is that we could actually, huh. as we say to people all the time, it's very easy to take a white piece of paper and put green ink on one side and orange ink on the other side. It's a little more problematic, but much more satisfying to take an orange piece of paper and a green piece of paper and bind them together with pressure and adhesives and make them into one piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, Grasping, not Grasping, Ravenswing and American Tradesmen were duplex papers that were made by Nina, I believe, right? I think right? they're both Nina, I'm And they're sure, both yeah. Nina, and they, but they are pre-manufactured as a duplex paper, mm. whereas at Shenandoah, we got to make our own. They were your duplex. choices. They were right. your I mean, as, Yeah, as we've grown, it's harder to do some things, but it's possible to do other things we weren't able to do we before. Yeah, so. Right, yeah. like we can't do some of the hand work just because the number that we're making yeah. is so much, but we can, the number being bigger gives us more flexibility in terms of, uh, I don't know, numbers and bringing the cost per piece down to a way where we can actually do it and our new pitch black is a custom duplex paper as well and we actually in in that case we bought two full rolls which would really fill up this room right yeah yeah yeah, they're pretty big but they're yeah that was that was the first time yeah we had the other stuff custom laminated but that was actually ordering from the paper company custom a custom laminate or custom duplex paper which was a very very big order of paper yeah is Those that, are great. I People love, love Pitchback. I love Byline. Love, love yeah. Byline. But yeah. I think if I had to have a favorite, it would be Night Sky, which I have today with me. That edition just blows everything about it. The back, the, the foil, I love. And the reticle grid is it's just, it's like the perfect, it's like the perfect feel notes for me. That's and very by far there. the longest film we've ever made at six yeah. hours and 20 minutes. So. <laughs> uh, I was going to say that's one of my favorites for sure both because I did the illustration for the back of the star maps and it took me days to do that and I learned a lot (laughs) about constellations and then Steve and I went out to film that at Great Basin and just two nights if you ever get a chance to go out somewhere where there's just no light pollution whatsoever and there's no moon and you can just lie on the ground and look at the stars for two nights in a row hours and hours it does not get boring for a second it's amazing how much fun that was so I want to do a quick lightning round. All right. Right? <laughs> so we can play a bit of word association. Uh-oh. Just talking about each of the editions. Just have some very quick questions. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So we'll do this. We'll go Jim, Brian, each one. All right. All right. Hardest to make. Ambition. The gilding process or the different formats? All of it together to All make it per- And it came out really well. Yeah. yeah. I, that's second place, but first would definitely be... Uh, Two rivers, that was way more complicated. Mm-hmm. I mean, we knew we planned for it, but sure, that was sure. crazy. It's a lightning round. Yeah. We can't explain. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Simplest to make? Uh, butcher Just... orange and butcher blue. <laughs> yep, yeah, I agree with that. We'll take this paper and this inside. Yeah. Yep. So not necessarily favorite, but in your opinion, the best or boldest design? Boldest design? Mm-hmm. Dime novel. Okay. 
Yeah, maybe America the Beautiful for me. Best paper? Interior best paper for sure, dime novel. Exterior best paper, any one of a hundred French books that we've done. Yeah, we love French. That's just obviously our go-to, and we kind of almost have to force ourselves not to use them sometimes. (laughs) Or you could say Expedition, which isn't even paper at all. Yeah, it's a wonderful little thing. Um, The best inside print. The texture of it, yeah. I mean, well, the, the, like the, the pattern, the grid, or yeah. the lines, or what is or your color, or color? Personal, I'm a steno guy, but that's mm-hmm. not one of the additions, so I guess that doesn't count. I'll say, yeah, all right, I'll say steno traditional. Yeah, I would probably choose ruled over anything else, but I tend to just write all over the place, so it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so this one isn't lightning, lightning, but if you could make a change. To any edition, one change. <laughs> oh, God. To any previous edition, one change. Oh my God! What change? I'm not going to say it. I'm I know, Jim's. What you mean? Jim's, Jim's is to is. move over the uh, <laughs> move the logo and center it on uh, on traveling salesman. That's right. Oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I remember. Yep. So let me see if I can think of Brian. Most of mine are secret, and if you say anything, people will notice it, and it'll ruin everything. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the traveling salesman's down. at least public. Yeah, like, yeah. I was going to say that I would print twice as many of America the Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Do people still want that one? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of There's a lot that people, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Night Sky would still sell. We'd be still Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, a couple of listener questions. So Travis asked, how much involvement does Aaron Draplin have in each of the new designs? Uh, it varies from design to design. He's involved in all of them. Uh, Dime Novel was, once the edition was sort of put together, was three solid weeks of back and forth, pretty much every day, swapping designs and ideas. Other times, Aaron gets involved at the beginning with the concept and throws a few cents in. Other times, it's his idea and we execute it. Sometimes it's our idea, he executes it. Sometimes he just does the logo for the button. Sometimes we just do the logo for the button. So it just depends on the the addition and timing and everything else. I was just going to say we always send it to him right at the end, too, to look it over and tighten everything up. But now yeah. that I think about it, I don't know if you even saw winter yet. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Sorry. It's all right. It's pretty. Yeah, I'm just kidding. We're not talking about winter. Um, yeah. So he and um, the other involvement in him is he gets a lot of feedback about the product because he's on the road all the time and he's mm-hmm. seeing people all the time and talking to them. So he gets interesting yeah. personal yeah. feedback from people about particular editions and things that they want and that's very important too and gabriel asked how does the inspiration not dry up how do you keep coming up with new ideas where are they coming from well you don't have any choice that's part of the beauty of the subscription makes us have to do something and it's not sometimes it's not easy i mean we have such a backlog of ideas that we've talked about over the years that we you know dig into that sometimes if we're if we don't have anything real fresh but there's the, the, there's just infinite infinite the, possibilities. The thing is, is that we, I don't think we've ever done one where where we have said, well, this will have to be good enough. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it is because we get to a certain point early in the process, or maybe I'm just speaking for me, is that there's this. I get a certain amount of excitement about the beginning of the process and doing the research for the production as well as for the marketing materials that I can sort of feel that I'm on the train, that mm-hmm. I feel that way. And I think that we do as a team. So Yeah, there are um, a few that I, the original idea wasn't really attractive to me, but once we dug into it, 
I committed to it. You, you get <laughs> yeah. you get committed to it, and you start believing in it, and it comes together. So, yeah. uh, field notes, super fan extraordinaire Ginny from Three Staples asked, "What are some of the strangest or most impressive real life uses you have seen of field notes?" Let me say something about Ginny first. Though. <laughs> we were so hoping you would. Actually. She yeah. uh, has a Chicago connection by family, and she has probably been the most insightful field notes reviewer on the web from the very beginning i would say as well as a really talented photographer Mm -hmm. and so we were always asking her when she was going to visit us Mm -hmm. and especially since we got the new space and she kept saying i don't know i don't know and she wrote something online and uh tweeted something online about our new edition and then i DM'd her back and I said, well, when are you going to come to Chicago? And the next day she emailed me and said, we'll be there about one (laughs) (laughs) o'clock. But she also, she came in and I answered the door and I was talking to her for about five minutes and it was clear she knew, I didn't know it was her and it was clear she knew the backstory. You know, a lot of people that come in do, but she knew our backstory very well and and I was kind of starting to suspect, I didn't know she was coming in. For some reason I just got in my head, I wonder if this is Ginny and then eventually (laughs) she was like, by the way, I'm Ginny and it was like she didn't want to tell me which was so funny. (laughs) She was so laid back about it. But but she's great. But what is her question? Some of the most impressive or strangest real life uses you've seen at Field Notes. Um... Firefighters. Yeah, a lot of military firefighters. Um, There's a dedicated couple of fans at McMurdo Base, which is at the North Pole, right? South 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 Pole. Pole. At the South Pole. Are they using standard or are they using expedition? I think they're using expedition. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I bet that's the one that gets like the wild stuff. Yeah, we see see some pretty crazy stuff. Expedition. Sort of. Should we talk about band now? Yeah, yeah. So when we first made Expedition, um, we were following this uh, British explorer mm-hmm. named Ben Saunders. Mm-hmm. And had become friendly with him online, as one does. And we had supported some of his expeditions. And he was going to go reproduce, redo the Robert Falcon Scott and Shackleton expedition on foot. Um, and so we said, well, we'll be involved. We'll make you some notebooks. And we sponsored him for a little bit of sponsorship. And that was where Expedition came from. And interestingly enough, Ben was just here two, we- two weeks ago because he's going to become, he's leaving November 19th. He will be the first solo, unsupported trek across Antarctica to the South Pole from one side, out the other side, 63 days on the ice, all by himself, dragging the sled, uh-huh. no support, no dogs, no wow. food drops or anything. And so we're happy to say that we're going to be supporting him again. So that's a pretty real word, world. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, but it's not just that. I like to see, like, you know, uh, a wife leaving notes for her husband in his field. Like, I get the story, like, the guy's at work and he keeps all his mileage in there and he's traveling all the time. He opens the page and there's a cute note from his kid or from his wife because they know he'll be looking at the field notes. So I kind of like the littler things, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, we find out either accidentally or on purpose from celebrities that use them and that's sort of rewarding, but then you really do just see everyday people using them. That's, I've, I was at Target a few blocks away one time and there was a policeman there like who pulled one out to take a note about some product he was looking at. And I was like, oh, stop by the shop sometime. We'll give you some. You know, like just seeing like, people, like, what? like seeing, <laughs> seeing someone using one just walking down the street is more exciting to me just than seeing yeah. one on TV yeah, or something that's like cool. that. 
I like to see him on TV. Yeah, but, I don't mind that. I guess. Um, <laughs> then the other ones that always we have this. I was talking to Mike earlier on the inside back cover of every field notes. There's a tiny little line that says, "Take a picture of how you use your field notes and send it to pages at fieldnotesbrand.com." And that's the only place that line exists. We never talk about it on the site. We never mm-hmm. say it except I just said it in this podcast. But we never say it anywhere, and we get tons and tons of them. And um, and sometimes they're just you wanted to know, so here it is. These are I'm rebuilding this Camaro, and this is my you know thing or whatever. But I love to get ones that somebody's using them on a farm, the way that the inspiration hmm. books that yeah. Weirwoods yeah. came for, the way they were using it. So that's sort of that's, that's cool, satisfying. Yeah, and a lot of just great illustrations you see in them. A lot of illustrators do just carry them around and draw on them. So you see a lot of that on field nuts and people's Instagram feeds and things like that. Yep. So in April 2016. Me and Brad are at the Atlanta Pen Show, and we start getting a bunch of people tweeting at us because there are some weird notebooks beginning to drop in people's letterboxes, and it was a commemorative reprint <laughs> of Butcher Orange and Butcher Blue. And it was then, in 2016, that we said, oh, we have to get you guys on the show again to talk about that. And we've been waiting, and then when we think we was like, oh, we'll do it, we'll do it, and we wait until now, because we have no idea how you did that, <laughs> the way that you did that. So first off, like this was a that might be my favorite edition, actually. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. I guess yeah. it's got a couple of questions for this, right? Okay. Why did you do it? And then how did you manage the logistics of one printing everybody's names, and two having them drop almost same day? in a lot of places around the world. You take the first part, I'll take the yeah, second part. I'll take the first part, and I'm going to make it really short. I think I had the idea, and when I presented it to Michelle and Brian, everybody started giggling, and then we said, okay, we have to do it. Like, and if we can do it, we have to do it. But how we actually, and then we were like little kids. We were like, oh, they're going to be so surprised. No one's going to know yeah. that it's coming. Like, it was so fun for us. And we we're always looking for ways to do a little extra for the subscribers because subscribers, much like your Kickstarter subscribers, are the ones that really drive the business of yes. Field Notes. So 100%. if we can really surprise them with something, and in this case it was a surprise shipment, which we hadn't yeah. really done before. But how exactly we did it, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the, the, <laughs> as far as printing them was simple. They're the very first ones we did, so there's not much to the actual printing. Uh, the belly bands, digital printings come so far, we're looking at new ways to take advantage of that in the future because it's getting to a point where it's pretty solid quality. There, even just a few years ago that we would have never used it for a cover, and now we're looking at doing that for some things. But um, printing the belly bands was just a matter of mail merging, the subscriber list, uh, weeding out. There were a few ones that were troubled just as far as matching names to real names to people's subscription names and things like that. Uh, but DOS and... Dawson sort of handles all of our logistics and databases and website and things like that. So he had it all pretty organized into... He had it all really organized. Yeah, he's super organized. <laughs> he's, he keeps this place going. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we, I mean, so basically it was a mail merge into, into a digital printer that would just substitute whatever string for their name. We had to take into consideration... I wish well, I could remember later. some of the names, like Otto, well, Otto Klempner, whatever, from Germany, who had four names. You know, we had to kind of go in and cut a couple, couple, couple surnames off of a few people. But in general, that was fairly easy. The trick was, if one gets lost in the mail, what do you do then? Or, but we solved that, too, by having a secondary run. Right. So, yeah, so we knew all along we'd yeah. have to do at least one more run yeah. a little later. We also yeah. knew we were going to sell some more subscriptions based on that, and people would want to get that, too. So, so I think we ended up doing three printings. 
And then that got everyone covered other than a few stragglers, which we, I think we just laser printed a few of the yeah. last few and set it up. The, um, uh, Dawson figured out all of the um, chipping part of it, but it worked like perfect. It was like, unbelievable. People were opening them in Chicago on the same day they were opening them in Berlin. Yeah. And the same day they were opening because them in Toronto. Our first texts were from Europe. Yeah. Because yeah. then. And that's impossible. I'm I mean, in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, we try to do that luck. every time yeah, and it yeah, doesn't yeah. usually work it's, that well. It, it, it varies. Sometimes I get them the yeah. same day as Brad. Sometimes it's a week later. Yeah. But like this one, just something happened. Like because I sent a text to my fiance and she's like, yeah, you got them. She opened up and sent me the picture of them. Yeah. Like that, that was a, must have been a, it must have been a really huge undertaking to, to get all of that stuff to work so perfectly. It was, and those days when we knew they were in the mail and nobody had seen them yet was so much fun because it was like looming. We knew that it was out there. Part of the beauty of that too is that we weren't, there was no announce date, announcement date really. So we had a little, no one was waiting for them and we weren't really in a hurry to ship them out immediately or anything. So we got to kind of take our time and, and plan it very carefully. So yeah. Yeah. with a shipment, not a with, a, we with an addition, we're right? like, we got to yeah. go, we got to go, we got to go. That's, yeah. you know, we gotta as soon as they're done, can. they just go out. It doesn't right. matter who they're going to or when. They just well, go. we do time with, with yeah. regular editions. We generally ship Europe a couple of days early. Yeah. And then yeah. Or rest of the world, yeah, and then, and then the Canada, yeah. Mexico, a day or two early, and then maybe hold Chicago ones just so people in Chicago but aren't getting the saved. funny thing is, is that people are people, and once they realized that if they bought a subscription, they could still get their own customized commemorative edition. You should have seen some of the names that people put on their accounts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think subscriptions like, that started with that, with yeah, that edition had, had some pretty very rare. If there, his name was very rare field notes, we didn't go along with that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, so that was very funny. So. So one of the things, when I mean, we were talking about like hype and, and, and audience, one of the things that, that makes the Field Notes edition so interesting is that you keep things close to the chest. How hard is that to do? That's so hard. We've had a few. There, there have been some attempts to get info before it came out i remember with the old website was in wordpress and people sort of figured out one one at one issue people sort of figured out the file structure of that and and found pictures of it a day or two before it came out you know people just digging around guessing file names it was the russians Russians. Um, and we've had all of our printers know what's up with field nuts so they know what to look out for if someone's calling like hey this is market field nuts yeah can you tell me about you know people they know they know to keep it secret so they're real good about that they all do other stuff that's very sensitive too so printers are very careful about not you know dumping a bunch of stuff in a dumpster that, or anything like that so it's it hasn't been too much of a problem i mean it's hard for us to not to not brag about it because we're always excited about it and Jim, I guess what we, Jim, you always put that photo in the mailer. I know that's always. And sometimes photo, it has much? nothing to do with it, and still people guess what it is. Other times it's very clear. And no one gets it. No one gets it. So that's always kind of a crapshoot. But it's kind of funny when a few people guess it. On you know, that's obviously that tight group of people. So it's not really going to leak out in the world. Unbelievably, anyway. sometimes people out of nowhere with no information at yeah. all just guess it exactly, huh. or they guess the next one. Because yeah. people always have a conversation oh, about yeah. what would you like to see in the next edition, and yeah. sometimes people get it, and we're like, "Oh, that guy is going to be so happy." And yeah, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of times. Yeah, there's just yeah. people guess and speculate so much on there that that uh, what even a blind squirrel gets a nut yeah. once in a while. Mm-hmm. And we can't yeah. like people suggest editions to us all the time, but we really don't can't take those suggestions. We don't encourage them. We don't yeah. pay attention to them just because 
we have to do and our really own nine thing. times out of ten it's something we've thought of and we're either going to do or, or it's, we're sitting on it and yeah, yeah thinking of a better way to do it or something so maybe we might let the cat out of the bag today about something i feel like if anything's ever going to leak it should be because me and brad burst into a warehouse somewhere and <laughs> right. pulled something off of a well, shelf especially now that it's the last episode of the penny it feels like this would be a nice yeah. tribute to the show yeah. sorry honey well uh brian and aaron have been up to something like uh, that has already. to do with the 10th anniversary and i'm going to let brian talk about it but i will just say Anybody who's got an active subscription that's going to receive the winter shipment, which, by the way, will change your life, <laughs> will get a special 10th anniversary edition. And then after that, after they're shipped, if there's some left, we hope there will be, we'll offer them for sale well, we on the site as well. Cause... Yeah, we hope they will. <laughs> yeah, we'll sign up now. Right, saying sign up now. So um, what the edition is, it's actually a pretty... Considering this thing's only 10 years old, or a little bit older for the first iterations, it's been a pretty complicated detective story, but I'm going to let Brian tell it. All right. I'm a forensic designer. (laughs) If that was a job title, that would be my favorite thing to do in the world. If anyone out there needs a forensic designer, give me a call. But uh, yeah, Aaron, Aaron is very good about keeping track of his files because he's got the mentality, and he's even said this, that someday the Smithsonian's going to want all his archives, and and he's going to have to have it all organized. (laughs) He's incredibly organized. Super, yeah, yeah and super modest. And he, um, <laughs> <laughs> but so he had all of these files going all the way back, and we, we were fairly organized here, and we had what we needed, and we wanted to go back and do uh, a reprint of, uh, uh, sort of in the same way that the commemorative reprint was the first two limited editions, we wanted to do some of the first editions pre, pre our collaboration, like some of the weird ones Aaron did. So we're, we're doing three different books going, um, it's a three pack, uh, based on our very early Aaron's very primitive first stabs at a field notes going wow, into wow. some of the ones we worked on together. So, right. And so that's our anniversary edition. And they are, that's uh, not the winter edition, by the way. Right, that's, right, right. that's not the winter, but they will be shipped. If right. you have a subscription to, and you're going to get winter, you will get this in wow. your winter shipment. And I don't think we should let any more of the cat out of the bag. No, no, so no, that's a nice surprise. Like, yeah. But I will just say about Aaron being organized is not only does he have the files exactly organized where they're supposed to be, but he maintains the modified on date for the file. <laughs> so that he can say that this file was last modified on July 26, yes. 2006. Because then he knows. So he's careful. If he has to work with the file, he makes a copy of the file. Wow, so crazy, okay. right? So he yeah. wants to keep all modifications yeah. intact. And, yeah. and, um, and even even with that, though, this was a crazy, it was super fun going back and looking at how many weird little things that we had done and he had done along the way that some of them never saw the light of day. Some of them, we don't understand where they came from or why we made them. Like, it, yeah. There's things we've done so many now. There are some weird ones we'd almost forgotten about or can't even place in the timeline exactly there, it's gonna be it's gonna be yeah. fun it's a fun it's gonna be a fun it sounds amazing edition, right? it, it really sounds amazing so, so people for, everybody who's currently subscribed or subscribed before as long as time ships. novel was not your last if time novel was your last shipment you won't get it if you're getting if winter, you're getting winter you'll yep. get it yeah so if you sign up for a, a dime novel subscription now you're in if you renew starting with winter you're in if you started with campfire you're in as long as you're going to get a winter shipment Subscription shipment, you will get it. Gosh, and theoretically, my, my subscription. Yeah. while supplies last, <laughs> while supplies last, yep. the, theoretically, if there are, we printed a 
fair amount of them or we're printing a fair amount of them and there may be some available to buy as three picks but it's not going to be like a big number sure so, so the best thing is to subscribe oh yeah that's always yeah. Yeah. always that really helps us out like jim said that's, like, yeah you know that is like our own little kickstarter it yeah. just rolls and rolls that people are putting faith in us and saying we like the products you're making we can't we want to see the products you're making in the future we'll pay now to help you make them and it gives us a lot of flexibility yeah. in terms of uh economics it's you know we don't have to borrow money from the bank to do an addition right. and we also know that there's x number of subscribers out there so we can do a larger run which makes the cost per piece come down which lets us to be more ambitious to do things like yeah. time novel or yeah. uh, ambition yeah, i think people don't realize how small we are and we get a lot of emails why don't you do all the papers and all the versions and everything and you know, we just we are still a very small company and yeah. we don't have those resources when so. are you doing the star wars edition yeah or something <laughs> like that yeah why don't you do yeah you should do a cubs edition it's yeah. like yeah okay that would be profitable yeah no it might be but it wouldn't be field notesy yeah, it comes right. back yeah. to the essential question is it field notesy yeah. Do you get brands that want to work with you in that way? Like I know that you yes. do the, the, oh, the sure. you do your the special limited. Yeah, I don't know what you, what you call it, but like when you work with someone like mm-hmm. XOXO, I, or, I'll uh, sort of explain. There's sort of a, I'll there's explain sort of two that. categories. So there's a couple of, of categories. Yeah. There's a lots of companies do simple customized field notes in which they put their logo on the back of a craft notebook and they hand them out to their employees or they use them at a show or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then there's what we call customs and collabs, and the basic policy for a custom colorway. Like, say that you guys wanted to do an orange run, mm-hmm. is that you have to do, first of all, you have to do a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, you have to agree not to sell them. Mm-hmm. So you, you can give them away at conferences, you can make them a gift with purchase, you can give them to your employees, you can give them however you want, but you can't sell them. Mm-hmm. But then there's another step up, which involves an even bigger collaboration in which. Once in a while, we will make a deal with another brand to say, let's make an addition together that fits with you and fits with us. And then you buy them from us at wholesale and you can sell them. Like Starbucks. Like Starbucks or L.L. Bean. Gotcha. Or something something I would like to say that I can't say right now. But um, Ingersoll watches, for example. So there's been uh, Nixon watches, for example. We're very careful about the the products that Carhartt was like a perfect fit, for example, um, that we make those with. And we have very strict guidelines for what you can do to a field notes to make the custom. Um, So, yes. But no, people do come to us sometimes and say, oh, why don't you license our intellectual property? And we're not interested in that. I mean, maybe the day will come of the right perfect thing. Yeah, that might be the field notesy thing. I don't know. But in this case, we haven't seen anything that. No, sure. Really was interesting. To and we get a lot of way. a lot of people that just want to print their own notebooks and want us to do it, and it doesn't make sense for us to do that. We turn down. Yeah, a lot of I mean, that. you can get you can order a set of notebooks if you order a thousand of them, which is seems like a lot, but it's not that much when you're talking about going on press. Yeah. So, um, and lots of people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of companies have done that um, over the course of the last seven. Yeah, years, there's so. anyone who thinks they're a completist does not have. Yeah, there is no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. That's I where it's also wild. Yeah. Those ones. Give up that dream as well. And we, it, it's, um, it's to our advantage. Like LL Bean is a very field notesy company, if you think about it. Right. And so we did one for them that was in camo, which is really nice mm. camouflage. And we did one that was uh, the same as their iconic boot. Yep. So the bottom of it's brown and the top of it is uh, light brown. And the top of it's dark brown and it's got embossed, embossed, stitches, em- yeah. embossed yeah. stitching on it. And they sell very well. And it's nice for us because it's a nice job to do. It's nice for them because they 
make money on it. But for us, it also allows us to reach an audience that might not be familiar with Field Notes. Because like, now they might go to the website, right? Because they like those notebooks. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, so, it's, yeah, we'll do it. If it it's always got to be a, just a good deal for both of us. You know, we both got something out of that deal. And brand-wise, so. it's got to be a good fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. we've turned down a lot of stuff that we're like, yeah, that doesn't really... You know, it doesn't feel like the right kind of thing. Or people are like, yeah, okay, we'll do it just like your field notes, but we want the picture of the CEO on the cover. We're like, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, so. Unless your CEO is, has like a really good beard, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like your CEO is a farmer or something. <laughs> yeah, Guys, thank you so much for oh, giving us your space and your time um, and giving us something to talk about every few weeks. We appreciate that. We can do it anytime you want. It's been yep. nothing but easy. We thought you guys were going to grill us the whole no. time. Yeah. Is it over already? I've got yeah. lots of shipping information to tell you guys about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if, if you want one more question, I have one more question. We can go ahead. I, you know, I have one more question. Right. I wasn't sure. Okay. There are a lot of stationary subscriptions available now. And I guess that you guys were probably the first to do that. I think we were, yeah. And there are lots of notebooks, there are lots of pens and pencils and boxes and stuff like that. What do you think about this? I mean, we didn't invent notebooks and we didn't invent subscriptions and so all we can do is make the best ones we can, make ones we like and hope other people like them too. I don't know what else to say about it really other than that. I don't know. I mean, I think we've run into that in other businesses that we've done. The deck, for example, the ad network. And, of course, like, yeah, and the, you yeah. just go do the best job. Like Brian said, you do the best job you can. And, uh, you know, it's a compliment. And uh, yeah. and we're pretty good at it. We sell a lot of subscriptions, so I'm not too worried about it. Do you think it makes it harder or easier for you to sell yours, the fact that there are more? I don't know. I mean, I think there are certainly people that get multiple. Yeah, get multiple. You know, even with... Uh, Something like Loot Crate, people get several boxes like that maybe a month, so. I think more people writing in analog notebooks in more places is better for field notes. And some of the people who are doing what we are doing are doing a really nice job of producing products. And I think that all of that just makes the notebook market bigger. Rising tide, right? Rising tide. It makes the notebook market bigger. And I think our advantage by not necessarily inventing it, but starting this sort of pioneering this thing is that we've got momentum and we've yeah. got a lot of people so we can, we can do dime novel. Yeah. You're yep. always a you step ahead, I mean? right? We yeah, can do dime yeah, novel. Yeah. Like that's a, that's a difficult yeah. thing to do to put all the resources yeah. together to get that thing done as well as the marketing uh, materials. And, you know, that's really satisfying. And, you know, people have a lot to write down. They need places to write it down. So... I think I think it's okay. Any more questions, Brad? No, I'm just I'm glad they had us. I'm glad they didn't kick us out. They answered the door today, Mike. And they you know, have... now that it is over, I have to tell you, this was one of my favorite podcasts. Thank oh, you. Well, thank you. That's very kind. We Fieldnotesbrand.com dot com is yep. the best place to go yep. to find out oh, yeah. more and buy and make sure you're a subscriber so you get the special commemorative reprint. Can't yeah. wait for that. I love those, by the way, the commemorative stuff because it's like this is a brand that people are attached to, and and I think it's nice to appreciate that. Right. If if people are collecting everything you do, it's nice to. We to had throw more them fun bottom. doing that than just about anything. Just oh, because yeah. we knew when they arrived in people's houses, people were going to go crazy. Yeah. 
So, and then that was just fun to watch Twitter and Instagram yeah, light up. Yeah, yeah. definitely like, giddy well, That was so fun. <laughs> Thanks again to Squarespace for sponsoring the show and another thank you to our Kickstarter backers for helping us do this. You can find our show notes today at relay.fm slash penaddict slash 279. Uh, you can follow Brad at penaddict.com and all the different social media places. There are too many to list today. There's four too people many. here. I can't do all of it. Yeah. I'll lose, I think I'll go mad. Uh, but we'll be back next week with, uh, with another regular episode. And this is the last of our American North American tour. Last for this year. For this year, 2017's a wrap. You should have done black T-shirts with the names of the. Uh, we, you know, we thought, thought about, about it. it. <laughs> we, we were thinking about doing it. I mean, there's still time. If we want to do a T-shirt for the for the end of the yeah, year, we could tour, still do it. Tour shorts, yeah. But thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Goodbye, goodbye guys. guys.